Um, good evening, everybody. So today I have been asked to um, speak about the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And um, on the whole, I have heard this spoken about as a parable about the arrogance of the Pharisee. But um, I would like to say that this is a parable about the love of God. And what the particular aspect that I want to look at this evening is about our hunger for affirmation and or, as the way the Pharisee says it, righteousness, our desire to be seen as righteous before God and how God helps us to meet that. So I don't know uh, about you guys, but I sometimes find myself wondering what God must think about me. I'm wondering if I'm doing okay. I'm wondering if I've done enough. And um, I just feel very uncomfortable in myself. Has anybody ever had that? Yeah? You see, I, I think that this is a human thing. I think as humans, we have a great need to have somebody speak over us, somebody from the outside saying, you know, you're okay, you're doing okay, well done. And that comes from uh, the beginning of creation. So in the beginning, Adam and Eve were in the garden with God. They knew that God loved them. They didn't have any doubt about it. And so they were able to walk around naked without feeling they've got to cover up or, or try and impress anybody by the way they looked because they knew that their God was with them and that he loved them. But as, he, as we alienated ourselves from God, we got further from him. And this ache for affirmation has been with us since then. And I think you can see it in a lot of the television programs we have. So we've got all sorts of uh, programs where you can prove that you are something, that you're doing well, whether it's MasterChef or the Great British Bake Off or uh, what's the singing one? X Factor or... Mm, or, or if it's races, there's so many different things where you can go and prove that you are actually of value. And if you watch any of those, and I watch all of them, um, you get to the end and you have somebody who's the winner. And it, you will see that quite often they burst into tears because there's this ache to be affirmed. And when somebody actually speaks the words of, well done, you're the winner, or you're of value, whatever your offering is, is good. It's a very, very moving thing, and we all connect with that. I mean, if, if you've been following it, it's quite tempting to join in with the crying. Obviously not me, double hard, if not treble. Anyway, I haven't looked at any of my notes, where am I? Um, so I'm now going to talk about the passage itself. I'm just going to do a little bit of an explanation. We will have the reading, so if anybody's not sure what the passage is, don't worry, we will get to it. Um, but at this point where we take up the passage, Jesus has been teaching for a while, and he's got quite a little crowd built up around him. And as he looks around, he's aware that some of the people who are gathered around him are relying on their own righteousness, so this parable is addressing this issue. And I just want to talk to you about the two characters, in case anybody's not aware. The two characters would have been incredibly familiar to a first century Jew. The first one is the Pharisee. 
So if you're thinking about a Pharisee, what I want you to think of is a religious leader, very upstanding, law-abiding citizen, and held in high regard by society. Character number two, the tax collector. When you think about a tax collector, think about a scoundrel. A man who earns his living by extracting exorbitant taxes from his own people, some of which he gives to the Roman occupiers and some of which he keeps to line his own pockets. The people that Jesus was speaking to would have thought about him as a collaborator. So if any of you uh, remember... Uh, reading about World War II, and in France they had some collaborators who collaborated with the Nazis. If you imagine what the French people thought about the collaborators then, that is what these people were thinking about Levi. So in short, in the eyes of Jesus' audience, the Pharisee is a man of God, and the tax collector is a son of Satan. Therefore, if you were to ask any of those gathered who they thought was righteous in God's sight, I think we can be fairly confident that they would all say unanimously, obviously, it's the Pharisee. But let's hear what Jesus has to say. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. I'd just like to repeat that last bit. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. So the good man is lost and the bad man is saved. It's a shocker. Jesus has explained basically that there are two different ways that people can seek righteousness. One of them works and the other one does not. So I want to look at the two different ways. The first approach, as modeled by the Pharisee, I am going to call the DIY approach. In this approach, the aim is to bypass the need for God and instead try and earn righteousness in our own strength through worthy deeds. And the second way, as modeled by the tax collector, is what I call the open-handed approach. In this approach, recognizing that we have nothing to offer in our own strength, we fall on God's mercy and receive righteousness as a gift. And I just want to say that the temptation when we're listening to the parables of Jesus is to choose one of the characters and align yourself with them. And usually, if you're anything like me, you choose the goody. 
So in this, I'm definitely the tax collector. I would never be like the Pharisee. But what I want to explain is, what I believe Jesus is trying to do is get us to look at ourselves and recognize that there are times when we are like the tax collector, but there are other times when we slip into the way of the Pharisee and we try and earn God's love by our works. So let's have a closer look at both approaches. And I'm going to start with the Pharisees' DIY approach. And there's three particular aspects that I want to highlight in the Pharisees' approach. The first thing I wanted to mention is he is relying on external actions to make him righteous. The Pharisee sees virtue as keeping the religious rules and sin as violating them. He doesn't recognize that behind our exterior actions lie interior motivations, which could make our worthy actions as sinful as our unworthy ones. He therefore believes that in order to become righteous, you just need to do plenty of good works and avoid breaking religious rules. This is the wonder of him. We see this reflected in his boasting. He tells God, I do not rob, I do not cheat, I do not commit adultery. But note that he does not say, I'm not dishonest, or I don't get jealous, or I don't have a lust. And when he lists what he considers to be his virtues, I give money to the poor and I fast, he doesn't mention, I'm becoming more patient and kinder, or I'm learning to love the people I used to find difficult to love. His simplistic view leads him to believe he doesn't need God's gift of righteousness because he can become righteous in his own strength. But I think there are two ways in which we can reject God as savior. The first is the one that we all recognize. It's the one where we reject everything that God asks us to do and live life as we decide is best. And that's a bit like in the parable of the prodigal son. It's like the younger son. But the second, less recognized route is by keeping all God's rules, but doing so in such a way that you feel you've earned your own salvation. And that's a bit like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. In many ways, the Pharisee is not a bad man. He's a good man. He's generous to the poor. He's a faithful husband. And I'm sure he reads scripture and does his prayers regularly. I'm sure he disciples lots of people, and I'm sure he works hard. But what the parable teaches is for all his good works, he is not justified before God. Why? Because he rejects God as his savior. And I'd like to suggest that although we might be, not be so overt, we too can be trapped in this DIY thinking. It starts off when we start thinking, I don't like myself. I don't feel that I've got any of God's approval and I really need some assurance that I'm doing okay. So I tell you what, I'm going to do my best to live in such a way as that I pack my days with good works. And if I do that, I'm hoping I'm going to feel better on the inside and that I will gain God's approval. We think to ourselves, 
I'm going to be good. From now onwards, it's going to happen. I'm going to be very moral. I won't sin anymore because I'm going to try harder than anybody else and then everybody else will have to respect me. And I know that God will approve of me then because I will be a righteous person. And as such, God's going to listen to my prayers and give me a good life because he owes me for all my good behavior. But guess what? It doesn't work. Because whatever we do, it's not enough to be justified before God. Because even if we can get a grip of all our exterior behavior and get that sorted out, there's no way that you can sort out all the stuff that's going on underneath, all your motivations. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person, it means you're a human being. But don't worry, God knows that we can't achieve righteousness in our own strength. That's why Jesus came to die for us, so he could bridge the gap between our unholiness and God's holiness. We don't need to earn God's affirmation. It's a gift, one we don't have to deserve in any way. It was freely given on the cross, and it needs to be freely received. And this is the heart of the gospel, and if we don't understand this, we don't understand the gospel at all. So the first aspect of the DIY approach that I wanted to speak about is the focus on exterior actions to make us feel righteous. The second thing I want to speak about is seeing ourselves as set apart from others. In verse 11, Jesus tells us that the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. His actions definitely reflect his thinking. I'm not like them, I'm holier. He was probably moving closer to the altar and trying to get as far away from the tax collector because he thought of the tax collector as spiritually unclean. You see, if you see a sin as something external and not something internal, then sinfulness can be avoided by avoiding sinful people or sinful places or sinful processes. If we can avoid those, then we will avoid contamination. Again, you might think, well, that's got absolutely nothing to do with me. I'm not like that at all. But I actually believe that even though our call is to befriend tax collectors and sinners, there is a constant temptation to separate ourselves from people who don't think in the same way as we do or share our morality because we don't want to be sidetracked or led astray by them. So first point, relying on exterior actions. Second point, seeing ourselves as set apart. And the third one I want to talk about is seeing ourselves as culturally superior. The Pharisee reads out his holy club checklist to God. I don't rob, I don't rob, sorry. <laughs> That's in the Bible and that makes me better. I don't commit adultery. That's in the Bible and that makes me better. I give a tithe of 10%, check me out. That's in the Bible, and that makes me better. And I fast twice a week. That makes me much, much, much better. What's really interesting in this list is that whereas scripture tells us not to rob and not to commit adultery, it actually doesn't mention any specific guidelines about fasting. The Pharisee has taken a neutral personal preference. 
something that he wanted to do, something that he chose to do, and he's raised it up with equal footing to God's commandments as a way of making him feel better about himself and better than other people. And again, I'd like to suggest that if we're not careful, we too can end up doing these things. We take neutral things, things like cultural differences or preferences, and give them moral significance in order to boost our self-worth. So here's uh, uh, just an example. But we have churches where there are robed um, choirs and an organ, and we also have churches where there's uh, worship with a band. There are churches where people worship in a very quiet way, and there are other churches where people are very exuberant. And when we look at people who worship in different ways to us, there's a temptation not just to think, oh, well, that's different, but to think, hmm, we're a little bit better. We've got the right way. We take our way, our culture, our customs, and our preferences, and sneak them up there as part of God's will. To sum up the DIY way, We may not exactly look like the Pharisees, but if we are not glory satiated as Jesus was, if we're not living lives filled with a sense of God's approval in our heart, and nobody can be all the time, from time to time, we are going to fall into the same trap as the Pharisees to try and use works to gain God's approval. And we need to know that this is a mistake because that is not how we become righteous in God's sight. So I now want to look at the example of the tax collector's open-handed approach. And there are just two things I want to highlight in this. One is his repenting. The tax collector prays, God have mercy on me, a sinner. He recognizes he is a sinner and throws himself on God's mercy. He isn't comparing himself to anybody else. He knows he's lost. It doesn't matter to him if everybody else is lost or not. It's irrelevant. All he knows is he needs God's help. And if we want to receive God's righteousness, we need to be able to accept our need for help and ask for God's mercy. We cannot rely on our good deeds because our motivations behind them are flawed. We have to be able to say something like, Lord, I've done some good things and I've done some wrong things, but I now see that the reasons I did both are flawed. I've always wanted to compare myself to other people because I'm still so hungry for approval, so desperate to hear your words of affirmation. Please forgive me. I repent of the motivation that's been driving me all my life, I don't want to rely on any of the good works anymore. I know how I have nothing to boast about. I only want to throw myself on your mercy. So that's repenting. And the second thing I wanted to mention was he understands that receiving God's approval is a matter of receiving an unmerited gift. When the tax collector wails, God have mercy on me, a sinner, The word we see translated as mercy isn't the usual word that is used in the New Testament for mercy. The normal word is eleos, but the word that Jesus uses for the tax collector is hilaskomai, 
which means atonement for my sin. So the tax collector isn't saying, God, let me off the hook. He's saying, I can't attain righteousness in my own strength. I need someone to atone for my sin. I need somebody to pay my debt. And as a result, in spite of all his sins, he walks away justified before God. It's the crazy upside down world of God. So to sum up this parable, the man who has dedicated his whole life to good works is not justified before God because he's unwilling to accept that he can't be righteous in his own strength. And the man who's literally got nothing to recommend him in his life is justified because he's willing to accept God's righteousness as a gift. And what does that tell us? How can we use what we've learned in this parable to impact our lives? Well, I would say from time to time, you are likely, like me, to find yourself seeking God's affirmation, wondering if you're doing okay, if you've done enough to be acceptable in his sight. And when this happens, we need to remind ourselves of this parable. What the Pharisee and the tax collector teach us is there's nothing we can do, however worthy, that can earn God's approval. Because his gift of affirmation comes as a gift, or not at all. And there's nothing we can do, however bad, that will push us beyond the reach of that love. So we need to stop trying so hard to be worthy. And remember, we don't need to do anything in order to be acceptable in God's sight. We only need to stretch out our hands and ask him to affirm his love in us by his spirit.